Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, folks. I would like to introduce myself. My name is Pyle, and I am a traveler who also loves to meet people. And I think a blend of both is where this concept of melting pot has come about. In my melting pot series, I will be talking to lots of inspiring people from different parts of the world and also from different cultures, whom I meet during all my travels. The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Hi listeners, I'm back with another very interesting episode of Melting Pot, which as you know is a series of conversations with incredibly talented and passionate people who are also change makers. My guest today is Anshu Moore, spelled M-O-R, who left his high-flying corporate life apparently overnight and he had an awakening and became an entertainer. He is a stand-up comedian, a writer, and now also a podcaster, and his series is called Stupid No More. Again, the more is M-O-R. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with, you know, when it's audio, then I guess it's better to specify. So, thank you for joining me today, Anshu. Thank you so much, Pyle. It's a pleasure. I'm I'm, I'm actually nervous just speaking to a voice artist. (laughs) I've been been practicing all my, uh, you know, tone variations since afternoon just because I had to speak to you. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. I think uh, think this is really going to be an interesting conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, Anshu, am I right in the introduction when I say that you changed, you had an awakening overnight? And what I have read somewhere is that the awakening came when you watched a movie called Tamasha. And yes. is, that, is, is that something which genuinely happened? Or, or is it something that you just decided would be an interesting twist to the tale? No, crazy as it may sound, it's actually a true story. I, uh, the, the whole family went to see this movie called Tamasha on a Sunday evening. I think I've actually promoted Tamasha more than India's related, by the way. But in any case, we saw the movie and I remember we were coming back in the car and we were just, and the whole movie is really about following your passion and stuff like that, right? We were having a discussion in the car while coming back and I was talking about how wonderful it would be if, you know, people could just follow their passion. And my wife, I remember she said that, you know, you keep talking about this, you've mentioned this before, 
uh, what do you really want to do? And the first thing that came out of my mind was, I want to be on stage with a mic in my hand and making people laugh. And she said, and what's stopping you? If you want to do it, just go ahead. And that was the end of the conversation in the car. And then we came home, we had dinner and there's no further conversation on this. Next morning, which was Monday morning, I, you know, I was getting ready to go to work. My wife was getting ready to go to work. And while she was leaving the house, I told her, I said, so I'm designing today. And she was like, yeah, okay, go ahead, do it. And that's it. And I went to office and I put in my papers. So did she really believe when you said that or she thought it's probably a whim and when you get to work, you, you'll change your mind or she actually believed that you would do it, you would quit? You know, initially I thought that she, would, she believed that I would quit. But over the years, I've seen her reaction when I'm narrating this story to friends and all. And she has this very sad look on her face, which is like, <laughs> I wish I had. <laughs> because now I don't know this, this Anshu any longer. Yeah. <laughs> and she's also, she's last four years, she's been very careful in terms of the words she chooses to talk to me. <laughs> like because, this guy can do anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one. And two, because I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of your, um, you know, your stand up uh, acts on, on YouTube. And yeah. I think which is, it's very typical and correct me if I, if I'm wrong, that most of the stand up comedians like to, I don't know if it's a thing, but they like, or you rather like to, um, poke a little fun, you know, when it comes to family and that sort of stuff. Is it like yeah, actually, that you know, makes her careful now so that you don't <laughs> take it on stage maybe? They have, I think my entire family has now developed a thick skin when it comes to jokes in them. But, you know, to your question, whether, uh, you know, most comedians do it or not, I think it's a, it's a very natural progression. When you start off in comedy and you're trying to look around for topics that you would make fun of, you tend to look at the immediate world around you, right? Because, you know, you don't know any better. You probably don't even have the, the craft to, you know, do anything bigger than that. So you generally try to look. Uh, so you will see every stand-up comedian who starts off would have jokes on their family, would have jokes on airplane travel. There'll be, you know, one joke on dating and stuff like that. You know, these are very regular topics. And when I look at my four and a half years now, I think the first three, three and a half years of which the videos are on YouTube were largely self-deprecating comedy and uh, all, you know, stuff around people, right? People who are close to me, right? Friends and family mostly. It's just the last one and a half odd years is when I've now started talking about other things. You know, the, the, the one hour that I do now, there's hardly a joke on my wife or my family in that one. It's just, you know, other topics. So I guess it's just the learning part of trying to write better, smarter jokes. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I guess just, just sort of uh, getting confidence in your craft and, yeah. and then the confidence to and the ability to be able to look outwards and to be able to bring in humor, which is not just sort of the immediate yes. part of your jokes kind of, kind mm. of thing. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. So obviously, being in the corporate world, there is a certain kind of confidence that comes into being, right? Because over the years, you, you gain in, in strength in terms of developing and honing in your skills and, and all of that. And you grow within your career. What is that compared to when you start as a stand-up comedian? What kind of confidence 
do you have when you get onto stage for the first time? I mean, is there a parallel when you're not, maybe not even just the first time, but in general, when you get onto a stage and you have a mic, is there a difference in, in the kind of confidence that people have? Oh, tremendous, tremendous difference. I think there is actually no parallel doing stand-up comedy and, and you know, let's say just speaking in front of people in corporate life. And I, like, I, and I used to think exactly the opposite. I was like, I've done this, I've been on stage, you know, I've presented to large crowds, this should be easy. But I, I remember the first time, I, you know, when it happened to me, when I cracked a joke and nobody laughed, that sheer pain <laughs> that, experience, that you experience is just unbelievable. It is. Uh, it actually shook me on stage. I was like, "Wow, what am I feeling right now?" Uh, is this whole embarrassment, shame, pain, all of it combined, which hits you suddenly when you're performing and when you're expected to make people laugh and they don't laugh. I think that's that's when you start realizing how difficult the art is. In fact, uh, I'd read an article a few years back that in the US, where stand-up comedy has been around for 60 odd years, there was a study done. It was there was one question which says, "What do you fear most?" And the number one answer to that was stand-up comedy. And the number two was death. Seriously? Yeah. So it is, wow. it, it yeah. is a very, very, very different world when you take a mic and get up on stage to make people laugh. So that's because you're by yourself versus being on stage in a theater performance where you've got, even though it's live, but you've got the support of other actors in case you mess up, right? Yes. Plus, you know, what you're bringing to stage are just your thoughts, which you think are funny. And uh, as you would imagine, right, everybody's sensibilities are different. Everybody's experiences are different. And this constant struggle that we have to create a joke, which is universal enough for everybody to laugh is, is really the toughest part. And it's very difficult to describe what happens when you crack a joke. And you know, because you've written it, right? So you know exactly where the punchline is. And there is this pause that you give after the punchline. And what you're expecting is big laughter and there's dead silence. I mean, you will literally hear a, you know, a spoon drop. And that's when you see it in their eyes that this didn't work just now. It's, it's just such a live feedback that you're getting. And when you see it in their eyes, I think that's, that's one of the most difficult things to experience. And that's what makes it hard. Like when you like we do shows almost literally every night and you, you, you would have a run of, let's say, 10, 15 great shows where everybody's laughing on every joke that you've said. And then you have this one show, right, where it didn't, it won't go as well as you thought it would. And you keep thinking about that one show for, for months together. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it kind of affects you so much that you keep thinking about why they didn't laugh. You keep looking, you know, their reactions are in your head. You can see their faces much after the show is over. It's a very crazy feel, actually. And I, I, was, I wasn't prepared for it, you know, when I started off. Because, you know, also when I left corporate life, it was at a stage where, uh, you know, you were the boss. And you know how it is in corporate life, right? You're a yeah. boss, even if you crack a sad one, everybody laughs because their promotion is dependent on that. And plus, whatever you're saying, there is this general respect for the chair that uh, they tend to agree more often than not. So when it hit me, it was like, wow, this is not something that I thought would be easy. Yeah, makes sense. When you decided that you wanted to do something different overnight, why stand up comedy? Why not theater or even become a voice actor or try and do modeling? Or, you know, I mean, why, why stand up comedy? What is it that attracted you to stand up comedy? 
Oh, this is a question I've been uh, I've been thinking about a lot off late. When I left, this is what I thought. Okay, that uh, every time I make people laugh, it is you know one of the best moments for me. And I thought you know if I get up on stage, if I can make strangers laugh, uh, it would be very fulfilling. And that's that was just the the simplicity of the thought with which I went into it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Now, I think much later because of the introspection that I've done over the past four years, plus the kind of content, all the writing that you do where you're literally trying to find yourself. I think there are far more deep-rooted reasons in terms of why comedy is important to me. I think that, you know, growing up around me, there was a lot of seriousness, not immediate family, but, you know, just around me, there was, there was a lot of anger, which used to spoil good moments, uh, you know, the happy moments in your life. And those were so many that uh, somewhere at the back of my mind, comedy became one of those things where you, it, it was a respite from, from those moments, right? It was, if you were, if everybody was sad or something, I, I would want to crack a joke just to make people laugh, just to tell them it's okay. You know, it's not so serious. Mm-hmm. And it carried on with me even in corporate life. I remember I would have, uh, when I was heading Xbox at Microsoft, I would be in a meeting with the chairman of the company, like the India, India chairman. And we would be discussing numbers and there would be, you know, in instances where we would have missed a quarter number or something, very serious conversation going on. And I would still crack a joke. And, uh, you know, and there would be stunned silence in the boardroom saying, how can you even dream of <laughs> cracking a joke right now? <laughs> uh, but I think it was just the way, you know, my life ran, I think, all these years. It was just comedy became one of those things to just ease the pain inside me, I guess. Sounds very artistic, but, you know, the tension around me. And it was just one of those natural things for me to choose. Mm, Okay, interesting. And so then what is the process of a stand-up comedian? Or let's say your process as a stand-up comedian. When you put pen to paper... What yeah. is it that, so obviously, I mean, you said you, you were saying that you do this on a daily basis, right? Um, yes. And is the audience different or are they similar or is it the same audience that keeps coming back? And now you've said that you don't, you know, your acts are less about family and more about external things. Do you keep the audience in mind or is it self-reflection that just comes out on the paper? Again, uh, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a journey that I think most comedians go through. My approach initially was that I was very clear that the kind of comedy I would do on stage when I started off on myself, uh, it would involve characters which were my family. But you, even if you see the videos, most of it is are jokes which fall back on me. Right, most of the stories are where uh, the jokes are me. And and when I realized the kind of comedy I was doing or would do, I had set myself a very specific target audience. I'd said people in their 30s and 40s, people who are married, very urban, a husband, wife working, uh, you know, those kind of families. And I thought they would probably connect with me more. And that's how I started off. So I would pick and choose places where these kind of people would go. And, you know, on the flip side, I would be very nervous if I saw a very young audience sitting in the crowd. And then I think there was the point when I realized that it doesn't matter mm. the audience really doesn't matter and i think it was i was doing a show in mumbai and i remember on the, it was a multi-comedian lineup and there was a bunch of these comedians who were very young comedians in the lineup and it was a sold out show like about 300 people in the room and i was very nervous 
before going up on stage because all the, everybody in the audience was in the age bracket of 18 to 20 i guess like all of them right so i was just i was just trying from backstage i was trying to look at somebody who would be like in my <laughs> age bracket and was struggling and uh, we had two shows like we had back to back two shows and i remember the first one i went up on stage and i i was i tried to be cool on stage the material remained the same but the the language that i was using or the way i was moving around i was trying to fit into their style you know i was using words that i'd never even used very young yuppie kind of words uh, you know mm. and i bombed that night i completely bombed mm. and the next day when i went up on stage i just decided i said i'm going to just going to be myself i'm going to talk the way i talk and i'm going to use the words that i have written or, or what i normally do and i went up on stage did that it was a really great show and after the show i remember i was just standing people were coming in to take selfies and stuff like that and there was this kid who came came to me about 18 year old and he was like you know uh, this was one of the best shows that you know that i've that i've seen and i was like wow that's a big compliment he says yeah and it was just so amazing seeing somebody like my dad on stage wow hmm. and uh, i mean initially it hurt me because <laughs> yeah. i was like <laughs> <laughs> the ego <laughs> yeah yeah that's it. and i was like i just dyed my hair yeah. come on <laughs> <laughs> but but I, but but it is one of those moments where you realize you know something about yourself and i was like hey if i go on stage even if i'm talking to 18 year olds they they see their parents in me right and for them that is so amusing saying hey my dad can think like this or my dad can talk like this right and that's when even the material changed a bit now you know there's a stage where when i do live shows i mean i haven't done it for many months now but you know before the lockdown before covid the audience profile in my shows would be anywhere from 16 years to you know 60 years mixed uh, yeah, yeah from an age bracket very mixed mixed yeah. uh, audience and that has become the fun part of it now you know when you get it right on stage with that mixed audience you're like yeah I, jokes fairly universal now right so, yeah 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 do you also do impromptu or is it, it it's mostly scripted uh it's uh, it's all scripted i think you know it for paid shows which are proper shows there is i don't think there's any comedian who actually does it impromptu a lot of comedians have this process where when they're developing material when they go to these open mics and you know places where you're testing material they go with a bare thought and they would go on stage and keep talking for 10 minutes and just the natural instinct brings out jokes i i was never comfortable with it i think i was just too scared to just go up on stage with just a thought in my head and say hey i'm going to create material on stage so i would actually write down till i was fairly certain that a joke is good i wouldn't perform it in front of the audience and you know lockdown uh, gave me the opportunity to read a lot of books and a lot of comedians they they reach a stage in life where when they're creating material you know just because you know how joke structures work you know what makes you funny so they just take thoughts on stage and they then they develop material out of that right so i actually tried it recently interesting that you asked this particular question i tried this recently about few weeks back i'm writing a new art a uh, new solo uh, i was getting stuck in terms of writing i think just the whole mindset wasn't working out so i decided i said okay i have points that i need to speak about let me just announce an online show and and see where it goes so so i actually did a ticketed online show on zoom and just with like i had literally one page with points written on it saying that i'm just going to talk about it and surprisingly that show went on for 90 minutes wow 
Yeah, and and, 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 and were, how big was the audience? And they and, and, so it was a Zoom show. So Zoom, I restricted yeah. audience to about fifty people, and they were laughing. And I was very surprised. I was like, "Whoa, that's that's a big step in comedy." So I'm excited about doing it now. But till now, it's been written very carefully, constructed. Every word has been very carefully chosen. You know, multiple drafts, and then you know, when you're ready with the joke, then I would take it on stage. But do you think that now, with you know, this 2020 turning out to be the year that it has, do yeah. you think there will be more of live online platforms for stand up comedy or or you'll go back to sort of being live on stage i mean clearly sort of doing your jokes in front of a camera to a virtual audience versus being live on stage to an audience with whom you can have like eye contact and then you pick you know i i mean most stand up comedians do it and i you do as well at what i've seen you you normally it's a very typical thing to do you pick someone from the audience whom you then decide to take off on so yeah. <laughs> so the difference how, how do you feel oh no we you know once life start in its entirety i think we we'll go back with a vengeance there is no substitute mm. to standing on stage with that light on your face with a mic in your hand and and just hearing real laughter the whole room dynamics are very different right when when like 200 300 people are laughing the energy is very different so uh, certainly like you know any day but having said that this interesting thing which is happening online like you know when lockdown happened in india it was in march and i remember from march to april i was just sitting at home doing nothing i was like oh my life is over my you know wrong choice shouldn't have watched the masha you know those kind of things <laughs> yeah <laughs> then somewhere at the end of april or mid of april i decided to do my first online show did that was very uncomfortable because the whole dynamics is so different and uh, you know people are sitting at their home you're hearing background noises and all of that it was very distracting plus online right all the lag and stuff like that but then over time you you kind of get used to it doing online shows but you know so i i did about i think 10 15 of online shows before i realized that when people are on zoom like this online show right the dynamics are very different a you're sitting at your home as an audience right you're comfortable you're just sitting you're you're on a screen and you can see others on the screen right so everybody face everybody's face is very clearly visible and i think the whole the whole medium is way more intimate than mm. being on stage where you're seeing i hate to use this word but you know what they think is like a celeb uh, on stage right or or somebody that you know whose face is on the poster is now suddenly in front of you that feel is very different so what i did was i actually started doing this show which i call more the merrier and I, as as you understand i use my surname a lot yeah uh, so, so it's to to the point where it's irritating but i think so i, I have the show called more the merrier and and i created it which it was just a crowd work show so i told the audiences that hey you buy tickets you come on zoom and i will not do stand up comedy like i will not do properly set prepared jokes i will just talk to you right and whatever comes out of that conversation i will try to make that funny so that you laugh and that is something which i guess i will continue doing because it's 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 been hugely successful you know i started this with thinking it's going to be like one hour max 90 minute kind of a show now when i do these shows they run for 6 hours what like 6 yeah. hours of continuous yeah, yes wow. like we we start off at 9:00 o'clock we finish at 3:00 a.m 
and even then those you know the younger people in the crowd they are all like yeah let's wait for breakfast and finish it and like no 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 <laughs> i'm too old for that thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then this is impromptu right because yeah, that is yeah. impromptu yeah, yeah that is yeah. impromptu and and yeah. i think that's where that's where a little bit of confidence like i told you right and recently yeah. i did this entire 90 minute show i think it came the confidence came from there saying hey i can be naturally funny if i'm in the zone and you know if i'm talking to people and creating jokes out of it and doing it for 6 hours you know maybe i can create material which is proper stand up comedy so this intimate thing i think would continue that's how i see myself like when this opens up hmm. stand up comedy would be live but i'll continue doing these crowd work shows hmm. which are which are more personal intimate and those kind of things and they work out fairly well online you're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me Pio on this very unique and special podcast series Melting Pot. Yeah, I mean to the point that you just made even for me all my guests up until March of 2020 have been people that I have personally so whichever part of the world they may have been in whether it's the US or Dubai or Vietnam or wherever I would be chatting with them and recording them in person so yeah. even for me it was a huge shift to then readapt because like you're saying to be live and to have that personal contact is so much that energy which Correct. you cannot get over a virtual call but so i then adapted in such a way that you know i tried to make it as in person as possible despite it not being that and yeah. um, and so and then i started having fun with it you know so it's it's all a learning and it's all like you said you just have to readapt and adjust and figure out ways when you are in this creative world and that's how it really works so yeah you exactly. can't just sit back and say okay no this is how i do it and that's it you know yeah. then you won't really go far with it so no absolutely i completely understand uh, that sentiment just to just to no can i i think one of the good things that has happened with online is access you know i've i've had people who have come on the show from cities i'd never performed in and in all probabilities I, i possibly wouldn't have gone to those cities and now suddenly those guys are getting to see the, you know the act and uh, this whole online thing i think the best thing has been that just the sheer access that you have to a larger audience mm-hmm. like you know like this particular podcast right if we had to do this face to face Uh, we would have scheduled it at a point where i would be coming to singapore or or no no would be, i uh, would be coming to you you would not be coming to singapore <laughs> <laughs> you just cancel you know a trip for me <laughs> i cancel the trip for you <laughs> i'm a yeah, nomad i'm a nomad so i go places <laughs> so sorry no no i'm just kidding yeah yeah no, but yeah. yeah exactly but you know the whole like like i i ran a podcast series in 2017 called uh, i i won't give you the name because again you know it has more in it uh, <laughs> No now I've I've kind of resigned to the fact that anything you do will have a more in it if you do a web series will also have in the title more in it so <laughs> I'm just worried about about the people who are going to listen to the podcast <laughs> confused guy this is so anyway so i had this uh, podcast series called morecast okay <laughs> okay <laughs> and I, i remember when i started doing it i would you know this whole thing of just setting up appointments 
this you know fixing time and then you know being in the same city coming to a particular place to record it became much more easier with this online thing i mean yeah the energy like you said that you know is not there as much as you would want it to be but yeah there are a little bit like there's some positives to it i guess you know absolutely i mean and for our listeners listeners are global they cannot miss there being no energy in this conversation for sure yeah so. exactly yeah, <laughs> so, really. especially on really. an audio podcast so yeah when you have your uh, you know when you write out your script and things like that do you run it past anyone just to see a reaction before you go on stage No I I earlier used to do that I would earlier run the jokes by my wife or my son or, or just friends and all and uh, very soon I realized that they laugh at anything they're just being polite <laughs> <laughs> because I I I would crack one of the you know I would have written some very lousy line lousy joke and I would say it in a party I would tell them that this is a joke I've written and everybody would crack up and I would be like oh I'm a genius <laughs> and then they, you know and <laughs> and next evening i'm on stage saying the same thing and there's dead silence in the room i'm like what happened here <laughs> so so no now now i realized the whole uh, the, the testing of a joke has to be done with strangers it has to be done so so typically even even though i write before i go up on stage but before i announce a solo or new hour you know there are few shows that we do which are just for testing where you know you get a hang of just how you say it in what tone would you narrate and your body language all of that because you've written it right when you're writing it there's a certain tone in your head which normally doesn't come out on stage the first few times so so we do these trial shows etc before we get it right and once once you fairly confident that you know you can do the 60 minutes or more then you take it to a formal show that makes sense yeah so you mentioned before we started the recording that you were hoping to move to bombay because you want to get involved or you are involved i'm not sure which of the two it is in a web series so tell yeah. my listeners a little more about that yeah i'm actually uh, in the process of writing a web series right now and it probably won't have more in it for sure uh, <laughs> Yeah so, so so that process is going on you know thankfully this lockdown provided me time to uh, to learn about script writing and screenplays and stuff like that I took a lot of courses online and read books and uh, now I'm in the process of writing uh, and at some stage I hope to start pitching it to uh, OTT platforms and see where it goes from there and and you know that's one of the reasons why Mumbai then becomes important because not only actors not only writers you you know the whole the technical side of making a web series you get more resources in mumbai than you would get in delhi or gurgaon yeah and also i mean it is the nerve center for for cinema and and now with so many multiple platforms it's yeah, yeah it's quite an exciting time to actually be there it yeah it is it is it is yeah. you know with all these ott platforms coming in the whole game has changed actually and i've also actually realized it's a very different world when you talk of writing web series as opposed to writing jokes uh, jokes and comedy and stuff like that because after a few months of being in stand up comedy all my social media profiles i used to write writer you know <laughs> 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 and, it's, and it's a simple logic right i've started writing jokes writing, and i write yeah. so i'm a writer now yeah. <laughs> it's only when i started doing this web series i was like oh another world this is so different yeah uh, 
Completely. Yeah. So just very quickly about your stand up again. Are you topical now or do you sort of stir away from controversy and just focus on I mean, what what exactly outside of family do you really what do you prefer to talk about? Let's rather than what you talk about. Well, what are your preferences? Yeah, so uh, like I said, they've changed. Last year in 2019, I came out with a solo, which I'm still running, called Just a Bad Guy. You know, so I have this very crazy habit of getting the name of the solo first and then thinking what I have to write about. Okay, so like I don't, don't have topics. I, I, my, the name is very important for me. And the reason why I chose Just a Bad Guy was also because till that point, all the videos that had been released and the comedy that I was doing was very safe comedy and when i say safe i mean you know just family topics and you know wife husband son you know father mother those kind of things i had not ventured into giving my opinions on anything outside of that so when i started thinking about what do i need to say on stage the name just a bad guy came because you know somewhere deep inside everybody knows what you think about stuff right in corporate life you typically put a very nice uh, politically correct filter in front of it and live your life through and and i decided i said hey stand up comedy is not meant to be that and when i you know started assessing my thoughts on certain topics i realized some of them were very twisted some of them were not the uh, regular you know famous or popular opinions and that's how the name just a bad guy came and when i started writing about those you know the, the whole solo talks about you know for example things like why I love rich people. And mm-hmm. uh, I know it's, it sounds very crazy. You don't do that in stand-up comedy where you, you know, kind of punch down. But uh, the, the whole notion there is that I, I think rich people are unfairly treated because just because you're rich doesn't mean that you're bad. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. So this, this is 15 minutes that I do on that. I do a big set on feminism, which took me literally a year to write and then you know to practice because it's a dangerous thing to go on stage and talk about feminism and joke about it. But I think I've gotten away with it nicely. Uh, (laughs) uh, I've never had anybody come from the audience after a show and say they, you shouldn't have said that. So, uh, but it's, it's, it's a tricky topic. It's uh, and, and, and like, I'm saying what I want to say on that topic. I talk about death. I talk about extramarital affairs, a bunch of things that I, that, that are now part of just a bad guy. So when I started doing that on stage, I realized that, that is what I love doing. Like, like, actually, there are two things that I love doing. One is telling stories on stage. And the other then became this, where, you know, when you start off a topic and you know you've made the entire room uncomfortable and you're taking them to a very uncomfortable, dark space. And then when you make them laugh there, the thrill is very different. Mm. Like, I, like, I have this thing now. It's a, it's a very practiced thing. It comes out naturally on stage, but I've, I've really practiced it. This whole feminism set that I was talking about, right? It comes at, at about 25 minutes into the hour. And so, so I finish the joke before that, which is on a different topic. And then I, I actually say it out, saying, hey, uh, I'm going to talk about feminism. And I pause on stage and I deliberately go and take a sip of water because I want to let that thing hang in the air that, you know, this guy is about to joke on feminism. And those few seconds of awkwardness in the room, like those who are, have a nice smile, they're loving it. They also go very silent saying, ah, no, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. You know, the show is going fine so far. So, uh, and, and then you make them laugh, right? And, and that's the thrill of it. So, 
it's not really controversy that I'm going after. In fact, I don't like controversy. I think, you know, that's why I don't do much of political comedy right now because I think it's easy to crack jokes on any political party or figure and then, you know, even a half-baked joke, people would laugh, right? Because it's politics. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm enjoying is bringing a thought, an idea on stage, right? Which is an opposing idea and then proving it right and then making them laugh, right? Just telling them that, hey, here's another viewpoint. And while this is funny, you might want to think about it later on also. So, which only means that, you know, I, I personally need to go deeper into topics, really get down to my bare raw thoughts and say, hey, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's, you know, the right thing to say on stage or not, I need to say it. So that I think as my career progresses, few of my hours would be just that, just me talking about the world around me right now. And uh, it's interesting. Yeah, because it's not, it's your opinion and but you're not imposing it on anyone else because you're adding humor to it so you're not sort of directly imposing the the thought and saying well this is how i think and this is the right way to think because you add a little humor to it so you kind of yeah which is which is now uh, which is uh, you know which has made it very confusing for us while you know, what has happened is, for some reason, I think, I think just not with comedians, it's with everybody, right? You say something on Twitter or wherever, everybody thinks, you know, you're enforcing your views on everybody else. Yeah. So they will lash back and there's this outrage and you can't say this, you have to say what I feel, those kind of things, right? That's one side of the equation. The other side is, I think all of us are understanding, you know, when you have a mic in stage and when you're making people laugh, when people laugh, they're at their most vulnerable self. They're like all all the barriers are down. You know, you can't get a more honest person than a person laughing. And it's an opportunity for us as comedians in those moments to say things which can change mindsets. You know what I mean? And I guess that's where politics is not part of it, right? Because politics is very kind of polarized. But on on certain other issues, you can actually be very funny, be very insightful, and make a little bit of a difference in terms of how people think and behave. And that's an opportunity for us. It needs a lot of craft, you know, a lot of practice, I guess, both in terms of writing and performing to do it. But I see that as a very real thing uh, that I want to attempt. Saying, hey, I saw this show, great jokes, loved this, you know, little kind of uncomfortable topics, but, you know, had great fun. And by the way, this guy said something which now I'm going to think about. Mm, which has stayed with me yeah yeah which has stayed with me i think that's there's an opportunity for us there i see Mm, yeah no absolutely yeah and i think you keep i guess evolving and and there's always so much that needs to be addressed anyways and yeah no it's it's a good way of of looking at things and yeah it's it's interesting yeah I yeah, wish sometimes I you get it wrong sometimes, sometimes it wrong. yeah but that's it's always trial and error right you can't always get everything that you say to to hit the spot yeah like i was doing a i was doing an online corporate show i didn't realize it because they had this whole event going on and i had like a particular slot in which i had to come online and uh, i didn't realize that the md of the company had his 50th birthday on that day okay so he was on zoom with his entire family and everybody was excited and since it was the md of the company everybody was congratulating him and doing all of that during the event and then i come in and i'm doing my regular sets and i do like 10 minutes of a set on death <laughs> and the show was going on pretty fine till then and then there was this dead silence and i could see like i could see the md's family his wife was there and i could see her smile 
like reducing by every second and then disappearing <laughs> and then disappearing completely and i was like i don't know what's happening and fairly great jokes i've been doing them for a year now right and then after the show you know they sent a message to my manager saying hey this is not done how can you do dead jokes on somebody's 50th i was like oh man <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they should have i guess they should have also um sent out some kind of yeah, notification yeah, 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 something should have happened I think. yes <laughs> Oh my god but you live and learn isn't it i mean that's oh, yeah. what life is all about so yeah yeah so before um i leave you i was like i do with most of my guests because everyone who comes on my show is is inspiring in some way and you know i'd like i i like my guests to leave a little thought on how whatever they are doing now because a lot of them were doing something else and have started doing something completely different like yourself and you know or they've moved from one country to another and followed their passion and you know and they are completely on a different track or they've become spiritual or whatever it may be and i like them to leave a little thought that the listeners can take away and maybe get inspired by so what would that thought be from you i think uh, you know this whole notion of following passion is become very romanticized of late right in the last few years you see a lot of people talking about following passion some have jumped into it i just want to tell people that there is nothing romantic about following passion and and do not jump into these things for the romance of it because you know from day 1 you probably work 10 times harder than what you've ever done in your life you know the grind is is very very hard you'll have initially more bad moments than good moments and your your mood swings would like like you'll have thousand mood swings in a day and you'll see a lot of failure and disappointment initially and those who jump into it thinking that hey this is going to be fun like the movies and you know suddenly seen to I'll be successful that's the disappointment that they face so you know follow your passion if you are willing to give up everything in your life to follow it right ask yourself that question and after that i think the next big thing my personal learning has been like for example in comedy right it's the you know in terms of routine and in terms of the way we work we could be a very crazy bunch right i could get up at 12 o'clock you know noon time or 2 o'clock in the afternoon have drinks and then uh, and then just go out and perform in the night it's very easy to have that kind of a lifestyle but the point i'm making is there is something called as discipline especially when you start off on your own especially in artistic fields you need to bring that discipline in uh, discipline to write discipline to think discipline to take care of you know your health all these notions that artistic people are these you know drunk drug addicts living this fancy life i think that's not true there's a lot of hard work and you need discipline for that so if you're if you're looking at following passion or if you already gotten into it you know do it because you love it and do it with the discipline that possibly you've never done before anything right so i think those two things is has been my biggest learning yeah amazing and there's no substitute to hard work anyways yes there isn't yeah, right there is yeah 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 no absolutely yeah on that note thank you so much anshu i really seriously enjoyed this conversation and i'm sorry if i kept picking on the mor bit <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Fine. This is uh, this is absolutely uh, fantastic. I think you know the, the very insightful questions. I must say. Thank um, you. And I'm going to think about them even after this is over. <laughs> So this is this is really interesting. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you. Thank you so much Anshu. Had so much fun chatting with Anshu. My chat with him continued even after the recording stopped and we agreed that so much more gets said before and after the recording and it's a pity we're not able to capture those conversations due to us limiting our episodes in terms of time hope you enjoyed this episode of melting pot with anshu more and me so until the next week this is payal signing off ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner 3 days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt free dream come true baby it's me kiki palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started